and some labels. Two Moms and Some Labels is a podcast for parents and caregivers caring for a child with a disability to come together to network, commune, and to just gain ideas on how to persevere through challenging times. My name is Brittany, and today I have a special guest with me. Um, and what we're going to talk about today is just, you know, motherhood and being an entrepreneur and especially having a child with special needs, with different medical complexities um, that we have to give our attention to and trying to juggle the work life also and, you know, how we can overcome these obstacles and still be able to win in the end and be able to do things that we still you know, strive or dream to do with our lives, with our careers. Mm -hmm. And so I am going to let my guest take it away. Okay. Hello. My name is Shade Mack, and I am the founder and owner of Virtual Elite Assistance. And I have a long journey of how I even got into entrepreneurship. Um, but just to introduce myself, like I said, I'm Shade, and I am a mom. I'm a wife. I have two boys, a nine-year-old and a three-year-old. My Well, actually, he just turned four, so I have to get used to saying that. <laughs> Within the last week, he just turned four. So um, now I have a four-year-old, and he is autistic, and he is nonverbal. And so he was diagnosed in 2021, and really prior to that journey, it was us just kind of being curious as to what was going on because a lot of the milestones that our oldest son met, Elijah was really, really delayed in those. And so going to those doctor's visits, filling out those forms that tell you to check all those little boxes of what your child is doing. I noticed that I wasn't checking as many boxes for Elijah as I did with Christian. And so, you know, a lot of the times I feel like when you're going through that journey and you have, it really depends on the doctor that you have, um, because at the time we were seeing the nurse practitioner, we had been seeing, well, actually physician assistant, I'm sorry. We had been seeing the physician assistant. And so during that time, she had been telling us, okay, well, let's just give it some more time. You know, some kids are a little bit more delayed. And I was okay with that because I didn't want to put a label on my baby. So we just progressively gave it more time. And then probably about a year and a half, we met with the actual primary physician that we hadn't met with during that time. Uh, we may have seen him earlier on when Elijah was first born, but we hadn't continuously saw him. We started seeing the physician assistant. And so when we met with the primary care physician, Elijah was making a lot of noise that day because he did a lot of screaming, which is a sign of autism. And he did a lot of babbling. And obviously at a year and a half, he should have been saying some words and he wasn't. And so that was his way of kind of, of being, you know, voicing his voice and, and having those like fanatic sounds where he would just kind of scream. And, you know, that was his way of, of talking with us. And so the physician the primary care physician comes in the office and he says, oh, you know what that sound is, right? And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, that's a sign of autism. And it wasn't so much that he said that because I already had those concerns from prior appointments, but it was the way that he said it to me, like, oh, your child has strep throat <laughs> or an ear infection. 
And I just felt like it wasn't any compassion in it because I'm sitting there trying not to bawl my eyes out in front of him. And I just felt like at that moment, everything was a blur. So he ended up referring us to a neurodevelopmentalist and she was very compassionate. She let me know, you know, that she, after all the testing and things that were done in the long waiting period that we had to go through, she finally did diagnose him with autism. And obviously we knew that he was nonverbal at that time, but we were going to just give him more time to kind of see if maybe through therapy, speech therapy, you know, if he would start to develop some of those words. And right now at four, he will say ma or baby. Baby is his favorite word. And I think that's because he loves baby shark. <laughs> so he'll say baby a lot. Um, and so he, that's pretty much where he is right now with his language, but he's been in speech therapy since that time. He's been in OT. And I'm very thankful for the specialist who who didn't want to put a label on him. She said, okay, this is what he's diagnosed with, but we're we're not going to categorize him as anything. We're going to allow Elijah to be Elijah because all kids are different. So even though he may have these special circumstances or these delays, we're not going to handicap him in any kind of way. We're going to just let him be a normal kid. We're going to give him the help that he needs, and we're just going to allow time to tell exactly what we're going to be dealing with because what he's dealing with at a year and a half isn't what he's dealing with now at four he has had some progression and what he's dealing with at four may not be what he's dealing with at 10 or 14 or 18 and so she didn't want to put you know fear into me of telling me the worst case scenarios of what i may be dealing with later on down the line she kind of just wanted me to be hopeful that elijah will do what what elijah can do and god would take care of the rest. And so I feel like a lot of times when um, when you have parents with special needs kids, it really depends on the doctor because I've heard a lot of stories where doctors never address any of the delays. So even though I wasn't happy <laughs> with the way that the doctor told me that he thought Elijah was autistic, I felt like it was not compassionate at all. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like he just ripped off the bandaid and maybe he didn't think I was bothered yeah. with him saying it like that, but I was. And I think a lot of the times when you have, um, you know, doctors, they won't address the delays. Mm -hmm. So I am grateful that he did it and that he did refer us out because it changed my life so dramatically. I was working in a doctor's office. I've been a healthcare professional for over 13 years. I've done a lot of different jobs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and at this time I was working in a doctor's office and I was Monday through Friday eight to five. I would drop Elijah off at daycare, you know, drop my other child off. And then I would just go back and forth. And that was pretty much our routine. That's what mm -hmm. we did every single day, unless it was a holiday. And I never thought beyond that point. And, you know, a lot of the times throughout the years, even before Elijah was born, I always felt that mom guilt that we feel about working and leaving our kids and feeling like, God, I spend more time here yeah. than I actually do with my own family. And so, I feel like a lot of the times we're like, well, I got to pay my rent. I got to pay my mortgage. I got to pay my cell phone bill card, whatever. We have to work to survive. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we put that above everything else. But I believe God has a way sometimes of making you have a reality check. And my baby was my reality check. Mm -hmm. for me yeah. Because I had to come to a place where I either chose my child or I chose to pay my bills. And so for me, 
I had to decide that my child was more important. I was not going to pull him out of therapy to come to work. That just was not an option for me. And at the time I was on FMLA to take him to therapy, but going to work for four hours a day, cross town, coming back to get him, having that added stress of needing to be there because we were short staffed or, you know, my boss needed help and for me to be there. And it was just becoming too stressful for me. I've went through mental struggles, had a nervous breakdown from the amount of stress that was on me from that job. And I just thought, I cannot take this anymore. I'm, I'm about to lose my mind. And I talked to my husband about it. And we just made a decision for me to transition to home. And so since 2021, I've been somewhat of a stay-at-home mom. I've done like some odd things here and there, trying to make some side money and, you know, make some income, working a part-time job, you know, those type of things. Um, but I really, really made a decision to step into entrepreneurship. And it's because of my baby. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful that, you know, he was brought into my life because Mm -hmm. it has connected me with so many wonderful mothers who are on this journey like yourself, Brittany. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's been such a blessing for me. And, you know, on this journey, I've learned definitely to trust God. In, a, in the uncertain things, because not only is this journey of entrepreneurship uncertain, <laughs> but yeah. my baby, I I don't know what the future holds for him. You know, I've heard so many wonderful things about children with autism who progress beyond what you ever thought they would be. I see so many stories where it's like, you know, somebody went on and started a business who was autistic yeah. or, you know, went on and, and wrote a book or anything so it's like, I don't want to put a label on him, but I don't know, you know, what his future holds. And that is scary. And I think when you have children, you always think, oh, when they when they come into this world, they're going to do this. They're going to do right. that. Get married. They're going to have kids. And to be a parent now, you don't know if your child will ever do that or if you don't know what will happen to them when you're gone. That is a scary thought. And so for me, I want to make sure that he gets all of the help that he needs. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that I am present and that I'm able to provide for him the way that he needs to be provided for, for both of my children. And so that really led me into starting my business. Um, And And I was um, going to say, too, you know, um, saying that you had to make the choice, you know, between your child and your job, like, it's just so, so crazy how, um, you know, life just throws curveballs at us. And as mothers, you know, we just find the strength from somewhere, you know, to be like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. It's going to work out somehow, some way. And, you know, just trying to do what's best for our kids. And, um, I mean, I can relate to you because I was working at a job. I was on FMLA, taking my child to therapy and, you know, leaving for two hours, coming back and forth to work. And even though I had the FMLA, I was feeling like, okay, even though you said I got FMLA, I still feel like my job is still like on the line and you still are going to, you're still trying to find 
some kind of reason to fire me or whatever for me to get laid off because I have this FMLA and I'm always gone because my child has all these appointments and, Mm -hmm. you know, you want somebody that is more reliable, you know, in the position. And so that does get really stressful and it's just not worth all of that, especially when you already are dealing with, you know, so much with your child. And, um, you know, I was on a totally different journey and which you were too. And then, you know, you have this child that has needs, you know, special needs. And it's just like, I'm so glad, like you said, like this happened to me because I would not be where I'm at. I would not be the person that I am, like the things that I'm able to get through and just even looking at my child and seeing how strong like our children are and how much they go through. And they like have no complaints about it. You know, they just smile and they go about their life. Like they, you know, they don't really know what's going on, but just being with their family, it makes them happy. And so I'm just glad that, you know, like my child is my blessing in disguise too, because I just, you know, did a total 360 and, and life is just different, but I'm on a new path. And I think this is the path that I was meant to be on, um, just like you. And then, you know, just even going back to um, like the doctors and um, even the daycare. And I'm always, you know, trying to advocate for our underserved community also. And um, just as an African-American mother, um, with a child with a disability, I, I feel like our community is underserved. Um, you know, a lot of us feel like, you know, we don't want that label on our child. We don't want people to know that they, ha- you know, have a disability or mm-hmm. what have you. And we are more, you know, like shameful and resentful about it. And it really holds us back or really our children from being able to, to be great, to be able to do things that, even though they gave them this label, that does mean that they're going to be, you know, what that label is exactly. um, because we, we're not reaching out to get the proper assistance and care that our children really need. And just like you had went to the doctor, the doctor was just like, wait, or even just as parents were like, okay, all right, uh, next week they're going to start rolling or in a month where maybe they might start sitting up or, you know, I was like that with my daughter. We we were both like, okay, she's not sitting up, you know, now, but maybe in a couple months, you know, we just kept prolonging and prolonging it. And every time we went to the doctor, like, I don't remember filling out anything about, is your child doing X, Y, and Z? Or the doctor saying, oh, I have concerns about her development. Like we didn't receive any of that. Uh, until she was almost three years old. And then that's when we got referred to early steps. So, you know, for the doctors to just keep relaying stuff, like when you're asking these questions and you see like, okay, this month the mom checked. um, Yeah, they're not doing this. They're not doing that. And every time that they have came back for almost a year uh, and some months, you still are just saying, let's wait and see, let's wait and see. You know, it's things like that because, early in- intervention is so important. Yes. And so those months that your child is missing out on the time they could have been receiving the speech or the PT or the OT or, you know, trying to figure out what is going on, even though I know most doctors won't even diagnose until they're about three uh, or four years old, it's still, you know, we're missing out on all those crucial months to be able to 
put some kind of prevention in place, or even it's okay to just be on top of it. Um, if you have some kind of inclination, like, okay, this isn't right. And um, so that kind of just made me a little upset, you know, even hearing that the PA would be like, okay, let's just wait and see. And the primary care doesn't even step in until a year, you know, later to say, oh yeah, you know, and then the way that he didn't even have great bedside manner and, you know, no compassion. Um, and then even at the daycare, because I know at daycares, they're supposed to do assessments. So, you know, at the daycare, it's like, did you see that my child wasn't checking all the boxes? You didn't come to me with these concerns or, you know, give me some type of um, information or advice on how we can work on these things at home to, you know, try and see if we can get the, our child back on track. It's just little things like this that we miss those little pieces. And it, it just, we fall through the loops because the care is, is just, it's not consistent. And, you know, I do feel like um, if it were, you know, if we were um, Caucasian and we were at a doctor's office that they probably would have been more prone to be like, okay, let's do this now, you know, or if the mom's like, no, I want to get therapy started now. I don't care mm -hmm. if they're only, you know, six months, I want to do it now that, you know, it's like, they're more prone to be like, okay, we'll do that. We can get everything in place. But with African-Americans, I feel like it's a little bit harder for us to fight for the things that we want. And they kind of look at us crazy, like, what are you talking about? You don't know what you're saying. You don't know what you're you know, doing. And um, so that's why it's so important to me for us to stand up and advocate for our children to, you know, make sure that the, the doctors and the therapists or whoever that we're seeing that they have the the same type of care for our children that we have for them and um, that things are being put in place that need to be in place. And we're not getting looked at like we're crazy. We're not getting talked to like we're a child and we don't understand what's yeah. going on when we have concerns um, because I've gotten that too, you know. Me too. And <laughs> so, Me too. you know, it's the worst is when you have that professional who has the educational background about an autistic child or a child with special needs, but you've never parented one before. Right. That is completely different. So I understand mm -hmm. you have the experience on a professional level, mm -hmm. but when you're talking about being with a child 24 seven, there's no comparison. So for you to tell me, you're telling me, you're telling him to open up his mouth mm -hmm. for an exam. And I'm telling you, he doesn't understand what you're saying. And you tell me that he does. He may understand what you're saying, but he doesn't understand that command to tell mm -hmm. himself to do that for you. Yeah. So you can go back and forth with me and tell me that he understands, but he doesn't. <laughs> so, right. And it's like, that's not me labeling my kid. That's me parenting you. That's me parenting him and letting you know that this, this is not how we're going to have to handle this because he mm -hmm. doesn't understand. I say, ah, he's not going to respond to that. Yeah. And that's why it's important too to, when those doctors or the therapists are writing their reports or putting in their notes, go back and read that before you sign anything or you looking at progress notes, go back and read what they have wrote because sometimes you would be surprised mm -hmm. at the things that they have written and you probably wouldn't even be in agreement with that or they worded something wrong or added something in that you're like, what, when did they do this? Or because I know I went back to like my child's medical record and I'm like, 
she has what? She did what? They didn't tell me, like, they didn't tell me that she had this or whatever. We never discussed this. So, you know, I'm always like, go back and read notes. Make sure that you look at what they're writing before you sign anything. Um, especially, you know, when it's being sent off into to insurance and you're trying to get things approved and stuff like that. And just, you know, to know, like, so this doctor or therapist, like, I'm the parent. I know, you know, what is going on with my child. I'm the the voice for my child. And, you know, like, this is basically a fine line of respect and, um, you know, just acknowledging my voice to be heard. Um, so I always, always encourage that. And I do that. And um, so then on your, your journey to entrepreneurship, I'm sure too, like you were saying, because the job was getting stressful. It was getting, you know, hectic and, and you have to choose care for your child. And so, you know, what made you um, feel like if you, if you started your business, um, that it was going to be the best decision to get the care that your child needs to get if, if you were versus if you were at your um, eight to five job. Yeah. So just literally a lot like myself, you have had the same experience with feeling like, like you're there, you're on FMLA, but you mm-hmm. kind of still feel like your job is not secure because yeah. obviously the means of the business come first. So mm-hmm. if you can't be that reliable and dependent employee, it's their responsibility to get someone in there who does that. And I didn't take it personal. Yeah, I just knew I had to make a decision for myself. And so coming home, I was blessed enough to have a husband who stepped up and made sure, you know, that I was going to be able to take care of our kids and he was going to maintain the house. Everybody does not have that. And I've learned on this journey, there are a lot of single mothers who have struggled because they could, they had to try to provide for their child and they couldn't. So then they're left trying to get government resources that are very limited. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then you're running into the issue of, you know, not having what you need to still provide for your child. And that's just, that's overwhelming. And so I've learned on this journey, there are so many mothers that go through what I've been through. And so um, I launched my business in January of this year and it's virtually assistance. And so I'm a virtual assistant, a healthcare virtual assistant. That is my niche healthcare. And so what I decided to do was to use my background to work for healthcare providers. Um, Specifically, I would love to work with providers who provide care to special needs children, because that is ultimately my passion and where my heart is. Mm -hmm. And my whole reason of doing that was so that I can have flexibility with my schedule. Because in a uh, nine to five, eight to five, you, you don't get that. Either you show up or you don't have a job. And it's, it's already hard enough when you have a typical child who you're like, okay, well, let me drop them off the daycare. Let me drop them off the school. I'll go back and get them. But when you have a child who needs more of your time that you don't have to give, mm-hmm. you have to figure out another way because the government resources that you get are not enough to care for your child. They're the bare minimum. And that's not enough, you know, to give them everything that they need. A lot of the times, like even on our, on my journey, you know, I've been denied for short-term disability for my son, you know, and it's based on what my husband makes, but, you know, Mm -hmm. we're trying to figure it out in a one income household, you know, so we had to start figuring and looking at other alternatives. Okay. What are we going to do? So for me, 
you know, I felt like God allowed all of this for me to come to the conclusion like, hey, I'm not going to bless you with anything else because <laughs> I've already given you everything you need is right here in front of you. Because I can't tell you how many jobs I've tried to look for. There are not many nine to fives who are going to pay you for three days a week <laughs> to work <laughs> 18, 20 hours. It's just not going to happen. And yeah. the part time jobs that you get are just not enough, you know, mm-hmm. and then you're still stuck with the trying to figure out the schedule around the kids and it's just too yeah. much it's overwhelming so for me i started my business to assist healthcare professionals with administrative tasks and my vision is to scale my business so that i can hire other moms like myself and like you Brittany, and be able to give them a full-time income with a part-time work you know flexibility work-life balance so that you can work 20 hours a week and still be able to make full income and be able to take care of your family, be able to use the skills that you have been trained on, whether it be customer service or, you know, whatever your background is, be able to use that Mm -hmm. to work for, you know, other business owners and be able to um, make an income for yourself and have that flexibility for your child. So my plan is to scale my business and be able to hire other moms with special needs kids. And this all started because of this little baby mm-hmm. <laughs> that God gave me. And I had no choice but to try to figure it out because what I was doing wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And God put a lock on me. It was like, I can't tell you how many interviews I went on, how many jobs I tried to work for, how many things I started and tried to finish and it didn't work. It just wasn't for me or for yeah. our dynamic. So it's been like this. I believe that this is where God wants me to be. And so this is is my business and and my vision for it is to to be an advocate in the world of special needs mothers, because it's hard. It's hard to be everything for those kids, and especially when you're a single mom. You know, that's that's Mm -hmm. a tough place to be in. And so that that is definitely my vision (laughs) and how I Oh my gosh. And yeah, I understand that so much about, you know, you're just like, I, I have to, you know, I got to figure out something, how to make this work and the jobs, like you, you start a job and you're just like, okay, because I've gotten so much, you know, and maybe the same for you so much in the habit of, okay, I'm used to now being able to take my child where they need to go, get the services they need and stuff. And then, okay, I got to go on somebody's clock and I got to do this and I got to do that. Or they want this from me. They're demanding that. And it's like, okay, I want to be with my children, being able to give them, you know, their needs and making sure they're developmentally meeting whatever, you know, it is that we're working on at that time. And just like you, like I've been to so many interviews and stuff. I'm just like, I've even like went to the job. I've started the job. And then I'm just like, I, (laughs) I cannot, I'm like, I can't, I can't even do it. Like all I can think about is my kids and you know what they're missing or, you know, cause we have had to like put therapy on hold or put it to the side so I can try and see if this job will work out for the family or not. And then it's just like, I went through orientation, everything. I'm like, okay, I can't, I cannot even come back tomorrow. So I understand. I have been there. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, yeah. So, you know, it's so, it's so amazing how our kids are just, again, able to like shine this light on something that's probably been there 
inside of us that we just didn't know. And we just needed them to give us this like fire and light to get things moving, to get the ball rolling. Yeah. And um, so when you are, you know, working on your business, when you are planning your business or even, you know, doing like your marketing and things like that, how do you reset yourself from, okay, this is mommy mode and I'm doing, you know, this with the kids or I got to do this with therapy to, okay, this is my time now to work on my business, to do what I need to do for my business. Like how do you separate the two and make, you know, make time for your business? So I'm still learning. (laughs) It is definitely a, a process. I think my biggest thing that helps me is journaling, really sitting down and setting my goals. And being able to think about the vision that I I want to attain and be able to try to break that down into little tiny pieces. So, you know, whether that is doing a podcast like today and and getting the information out there um, or just taking that time to really research and study something that I need to implement, Mm -hmm. joining networking groups and, you know, going to events. So, like, really taking that time to think about, okay, what steps? Are going to get me towards my goals. Mm-hmm. When will I do this? <laughs> what time will I do this? Where will the kids be? So having having a plan, setting that plan into like your calendar to have designated time to do things that you need to do for your business and just really taking action. Because I think one of the biggest things and one of the things that I'm still growing through is understanding that it's okay to just take action and not have the answers for everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that is something I'm still learning. And so for me, that calendar is like my everything. Like I I cannot function without it because Mm -hmm. it helps me take small steps that I need to take towards my bigger vision. Mm -hmm. And it keeps me being who I need to be for my family. And so if you don't have a calendar for anybody listening to this, definitely get you a calendar sit down write out your priorities and then you know take that time and decide okay what does my week look like coming up how can I implement these things where do I need to be for my kids where do I need to be for my business you know do I need to take time and sit down and research this particular topic or how to implement this into to your business is so important and I'm, I'm learning that on this journey that I have to take that time to reflect and then take the time to review your week. How was last week for you? What did you get done? What did you not get done? Mm -hmm. Did this work for you? And so learning that is what is carrying me right now. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's a learning process. And even just our, our journey as a special needs parent is a process because we're still always learning things every day. And I know um, I wanted to ask you also, um, I know that, you know, we can only move forward from here and we take the things that we receive and, you know, build upon those and just try to take baby steps to get to whatever our goals may be for ourselves and our kids. But um, I like to be able to see like where those holes and gaps are in the community with the resources around. So, I can see how I can, you know, go to these different places and um, present information to them or ask them to provide more information for the community. So are there any things uh, that you wish that you would have known, um, you know, while you were going through 
your your journey that you know you didn't have access to or you didn't know about um, before you know you found out your child's diagnosis or even just along his way to going to turn in four years old, is there anything that you feel like you wish you would have had, you know, more access to or known about? Yeah. So really at the start of all of this with Elijah going through this journey, us taking this journey with him, I think knowing that it was going to be so much care that was like needed for him um, and being able to, know where to go to find that information because when you're going through the like the diagnosing and them you know giving him that diagnosis of autism they give you the bare minimum of that information Mm -hmm. so if you don't have the time to research to dig to get in connection with the right people you don't know what else is out there and so i think for me um learning that i cannot depend just on the doctors to give me what I need for him because they can only take you so far there. Mm-hmm. They start you out, but as he's growing, you know, I need to know what resources are out there for him when he becomes a teenager mm-hmm. into adulthood. What does my child's future look like? And, you know, I was watching another interview that you did and she was talking about setting up jobs for mm-hmm. children with special needs. What does that look like for him? <clears throat> I have another child you know, who, if something happens to me and my husband, they're left together. You know, what what resources will he have as a sibling to step up and, and take care of him in later on in life? You know, mm-hmm. what what benefits does he get from that? How does how does he become the power of attorney or, you know, the caregiver or whatever that may be in the future? I think about those things and mm-hmm. you really don't know Nobody can give you the answer to that. A doctor can't give you right. the answer for that. So it's kind of like me now looking back, I realize that a lot of providing the care for him and giving him what he needs is on me to find those resources. And if you don't know where to look at, it's very intimidating mm-hmm. because outside of just that, just kind of sending you on your way to get those early steps and, you know, get leading you to the therapy they don't do anything outside of that for you. They yeah. give you the, the foundation, which is awesome. I think that's important, but they're not going to be little forever. What does adulthood look like for them? Mm-hmm. And so I think that I would love to have more resources available to on how to really advocate for your child from the teenage years on up. Because mm-hmm. I think in the beginning, it's, it's okay. You know, they give you the foundation. I think you have to be that parent who is willing to to accept what's going on and not be in denial about it. Because I think a lot of times, especially like you said, in our community, we have somewhat of that stigma of, oh, ain't nothing wrong with my baby. He going to get there. Right. Not wanting to accept that diagnosis or that label, so to say, about mm-hmm. your child. But people have to understand that it's okay. That doesn't mean that they're bad, good, not going to be anything or any, 
anything negative. Yeah. It just means they're different. And that's okay. We are all different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're yeah. even more different. And that's okay. Give them what they need, what whatever information they're giving to you now. But also be willing to go out and research, connect with other people, join communities where you can find more information that is available to you because there isn't a lot of information out there. There isn't a lot of people who have, who have gone the path that are willing to either even reach back and tell mm-hmm. you, okay, this is what teenage years were for me and my child, or this is what we're dealing with now in adulthood. You know, I have, um, my mom has a friend who has an older brother and he's actually in his fifties and he's in a home and has been in a home since I think he was like 15 or 16. And it was because of the combative behavior that he had towards the mother. And it's like, I never even considered that being mm-hmm. something to deal with. So it's like, okay, how do we get ahead of that now? Where do I look, mm-hmm. you know, outside of ABA, <laughs> where do I look to to give my child the tools that he needs to be calm? Because I don't want to put my baby in a home. Yeah. You know, I can't even imagine it, you know? And so when you think about things like that, those are things that we have to consider that other parents with typical children never have to consider, you know? Yeah. Even if that was an option to put them in a home at some point, if someone has a child who they end up having to put them in a home, maybe they've gotten elderly and they can't care for that child. What does that look like for that parent and that child? Like there's no resources to give us information on how to move into that later Mm -hmm. on life stages with them. And I think that's so important. Yeah. And so um, I know you, you know, are trying to look at the videos and um everything on the two moms and some labels. But uh, if you get a chance or whenever you get a chance, um, a good friend of mine, I had interviewed her. Her name is Star Fields and she has a son with autism. And um, oh my gosh, he is like, I swear he's like six feet tall. And he is, is he 15, 16? Um, but oh my gosh, he's like six feet tall. He's taller than me. I'm five, seven. So he's taller than me. I mean, he is, he's, he is solid and, um, star and her mom, they had been, you know, the primary caregivers because her husband was in the military. So, you know, they've had been the primary caregivers. Um, but I mean, her story is amazing. And, you know, the way that she has been able to, um, help her son with his behaviors, you know, through ABA and just, you know, their parenting style is, is just amazing, you know, what um, they have been able to do um, with him. So that would be, you know, a good one for you to look at. And uh, I can give you her contact information okay. also, too. And then yeah, uh, I, I know, like yeah, and uh, I know, you know, one thing I'm trying to learn how to do is to not put so much stuff on my plate and worry about the future or things that are out of my control or even things like I don't need to be concerned with at this moment and try to live in, okay, this is what I need to do tomorrow. And that's, or this is what I need to do this week, but I'm not going to jump, you know, that far ahead to, to stress myself out. And so, yeah, I know you were talking about, you know, you want to know about the teenage years and adulthood and, you know, your other son, things that are out there for him to um, be able to help take care of your little, your um, little, littlest. And 
I can just say that, you know, just like live in today. And I mean, he has what? four or five years of elementary school. He does. To, yeah, to go through. So, I mean, you have you have some time before he becomes a teenager. And I can tell you, you know, the those elementary years, they can bring on a lot, you know, with the IEPs and, and just advocating for him in the elementary school, at the elementary school age. So, you know, just focusing on what you can do now, what he needs, while he is, you know, in this, this, you know, primary school age group. And then maybe when you get closer to, you know, like fifth grade, fourth grade, start thinking about, okay, what resources do I need to, you know, get this in place for him or start on, you know, preparing this for him, you know, at that time. So you can collect information in the meantime and just, you know, keep everything together but I would not, you know, be stressing or worrying about when he's a teenager and stuff. But of course, with the behaviors and stuff, you definitely, you know, if he had any type of, you know, um, behavioral concerns um, uh, with being aggressive or anything like that, of course, you know, trying to find resources about, you know, to help with that is definitely, you know, something that you will want to do. So they say, you know, start young and, you know, try to, you know, put things in place to help with that in the, in the future. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, and I, so I'm definitely not stressing about it, but yeah. it is a reality that I feel like, you yeah. know, so, so, so far I've learned really to just be patient mm-hmm. and to take it one day at a time, you know, because yeah. in the beginning I thought about, Oh my God, what is it going to be like when he's four and five and now we're here, Yeah, <laughs> you know? And so I've learned that it will all pan out to work out together. Right. But I do think it's important to at least have those resources available mm-hmm. to families so yeah. they can at least, like you said, start trying to pre-plan for some of that. Because even though he's four, it's tough. It's yeah. tough now just getting through potty training. So that's, right. that's a whole nother yeah. thing. Yeah. You know, but it is I think it is important still to not really to be overwhelmed or stressed about it, but yeah. have those resources available. Mm-hmm. Because I've been looking and there aren't very many. Yeah. And then, you know, you can Google, Google yourself to death and all kinds of things pop up and you don't know what's true, false, right, (laughs) wrong. So, you know, I say, you know, join Facebook groups. There's a lot of local Facebook groups, um, especially ones for kids with autism. Um, I also had did an interview with a lady named Anna, and she is um, an affiliate for Bright Feet, which is a special needs resource directory. And, you know, they're bringing it here to Northeast Florida to provide, you know, a magazine that has different resources in it to help you along your journey. Um so that you don't have to be searching all over the internet and asking this person and asking that person. It can all be, you know, in one place. And um, so definitely look for that to come out in October. And then she's always open to talk about anything because her kids, they have um, autism um, too. So she's always like an open book and available to talk about anything uh, if you have questions about just stuff along your, your journey. And, um, 
I know even though, you know, we have kids with different uh, diagnoses, disabilities, you know, we all just have to come together as one and, and put our brains together and put resources together so that we're helping one another. And if we can, you know, make the community stronger and not feel like everybody's just so separated and, yeah. you know, we just, it's hard to find things because everybody's just kind of, we get so tied up in trying to figure out everything for our kids and our, our families and what have you. So, um, you know, if we could just try to make it a little less stressful for one another by just, you know, coming to a common place and bringing resources together, our experiences that we went through to help the next person along their journey. So they don't have to, you know, go through such a struggle or, um, you know, avoid uh, certain situations or even doctors, um, that may have had, they may have had experiences that weren't so great with, um, that's the goal. And, you yeah. know, that's my goal here. And a lot of the people that I interview, I feel like, you know, that's their goal. They're trying to bring the community together and just provide resources for, for, uh, everybody in this community. Um, cause we will be around here walking, running like a, a chicken with our head cut off, trying to figure out everything and make things work. For, for our kids. So, you know, if we make things less stressful as possible, that's always the best route to go. So yeah. um, I definitely want you to also tell our viewers, um, because we have some medical professionals also um, tomorrow, I think tomorrow or Thursday, um, I'm going to be interviewing somebody uh, at Jack's, uh, Jacksonville Neuroclinical Psychology Group. So, you know, definitely put your information out there. Let them know how they can contact you if they're interested in your healthcare services. Um, yeah. Okay. So you can reach me um, from my website. My contact information is on there. My website is www.my vaelite.com. Also, you can find me on Instagram at myvaelite. And so those would be my best ways to reach me. Um, or you can email me. My email is myvaelite at gmail.com. So any of those would be a great way to contact me. Nice. So, you know, hopefully we can get this business moving forward. We're going to get it moving. And so you're going to be hiring, however, I mean, a whole bunch of moms like us, yes. giving yes. them opportunities to have, you know, flexibility and freedom, um, you know, with their family and um, themselves. So, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing your business flourish and doing great things for the community and bringing opportunities um, and I mean, I appreciate you so much for coming on and sharing your, your journey, talking about, you know, your story. Um, you know, I, I'm hoping that, you know, more of our community will want to listen in and just reach out to get the resources that are available out here, um, and, you know, just bring your, bring their kids out and know that there's a community to help and you don't have to be alone in the journey. Um, yeah. I mean, I just, I just want to help and provide resources um, because I know how hard it can be. And like you said, especially for single mothers. Um, so 
we got a lot of work to do, but yes. we are we are going to make it through just like we have done on this journey so far. And um, I'm excited. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. You definitely are doing just that. You are connecting the community, being an advocate and a resource for us moms and families who have these special babies that are such a blessing. And you're, you just keep up the good work because you are doing it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you you're so welcome. much. I appreciate